0: Everyone, welcome to the Aliyah Day. I'm glad you are here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. It is prep day. We are looking forward to the Shabbat. Looking forward to another great uh, weekend of uh getting together and being with one another and loving one another uh, and all those good things. This is Parashah Baha Olotka. This is the final uh aliyah for Uh, Our power shot will be moving into uh, Shalak next week. Just a programming note: um, we will not have, there will not be an Aliyah day on uh, Sunday, on the first day of the week. Uh, I have uh, an activity that is going to prevent me from being able to do the Aliyah. So uh, we've set up our our hotline for those who um, have Aliyah day uh withdrawals that's one in hundred get some help and uh, you can call you can call the hotline and uh if you're feeling that you know about about ten thirty central standard time you're feeling that uh, withdrawal from the Aliyah Day you can call one eight hundred get some help and uh they'll walk you through the steps on how to overcome uh the Aliyah Day withdrawal uh syndrome, which by the way is a real thing and uh, we're working on a uh, we're working on Um, a vaccine for it right now, which no one's going to take, and rightfully so. uh, uh, So there's that. We'll lose a bunch of money on it, but but, uh, (laughs) we're we're working on it. I'm not even going to take the vaccine. (laughs) Uh, All right, so here we are. But seriously, no, no Aliyah day on the first day of the week. We'll be back on the second day of the week, Bezrat Hashem. And uh, we'll, uh, you know, cover, make up for lost time, whatever we can do uh, to make that happen. Baruch Hashem. And, uh, all right, so that's great. So we're going to be on the, uh, and by the way, I want to say something else. I want to shout out. I haven't done this. I did this uh, a few days ago, but just another shout out because uh, Shira mentioned it earlier. Tulsa. We have a synagogue in Tulsa. Sar Shalom. Synagogue Tulsa if you are in and around the Tulsa area if you live within hundred miles of Tulsa We invite you to go to Sarshalom uh, Tulsa and Be a part of that community and so uh, I, I understand that they have more and more people who are coming And growing they're expanding um, I was told that there is uh, uh, That they're actually expanding their little rental space that they have there at the shul and uh, that's exciting. It's amazing when all that kind of stuff happens. So we're probably due here t- sometime relatively soon to go to Tulsa and say hi to the peeps up there. But anyway, if you're in the Tulsa area, go to Tulsa and uh, be a part of that. It would be fantastic. and uh, Baruch Hashem. All right, we are in the uh, Chumash, and the sixth Aliyah is going to be uh, beginning in chapter 10 Actually, we read that yesterday. We read, we read that part yesterday uh, with the bracketed noons and uh, where it talks about Kuma, Adonai, we, ve'afutsoi Evaika. We talked about that yesterday. We're going to talk about that some more today, but we read that. So we're going to begin in Chapter 11 for the, the Sephardic Jews out there. This is Capitulo 11, Verso 1. This is going to be the board we're going to begin reading. We'll read to the end of the parashah. So let's read and get right to our insights, shall we? It says, the people took to seeking complaints. It's not a good way to start. The people took to seeking complaints. It was evil in the ears of Adonai, and Adonai heard. And his wrath flared up, and a fire of Adonai burned against them. And it consumed at the edge of the camp. The people cried out to Adonai, Moshe prayed to Adonai, and the fire died down. He named that place Tibera for the fire of Adonai had burned against them. The rabble that was among them cultivated a craving, and the children of Israel also wept once more and said, Who will feed us meat? Now, um, first of all, I want to say that very often in rabbinic literature and commentators and so on, the rabble is considered to be the mixed multitude, the Erev Rab it's often called. And a lot of blame is put on uh, the mixed multitude, these converts that came out of Egypt. And it's the of Rav that enticed us to dance around the golden calf. It's the of Rav that wanted us to eat meat. I don't like those insights. And I don't think that it's particularly helpful, even though they're quite common. I view that... As millennial uh, theology, this is trying to blame some other group, some other person, for your failures. Even if somebody tempted you, you know, you say, well, they, they tempted me to do it. Well, they didn't force you to do it, they tempted you to do it, so you really can't even blame the temptation you have to blame yourself for succumbing to the temptation that's not always easy because personal responsibility as we are finding out as it's being displayed before our very eyes with all this nonsense that's going across our our country we want to blame others for uh everything we want to uh blame uh society and whatever for you know problems um This propensity to blame others for our own shortcomings and failures is never helpful. And it's very, very challenging and difficult to take personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. That's never, never easy. We always want to um, put it off on somebody else. So it says, who will feed us meat? Now the word meat here, it's important to point out in the Torah... That it's the word in Hebrew basar, which is the same word that's used for um, like meat as in red meat. This is very important because the people are asking for meat. They're asking for basar, and we're going to find out what Hashem sends them. And as a result of that, we're going to find out what Hashem considers meat. So here we are. It says, We remember the fish... That we ate in Egypt free of charge. See? Socialism. We didn't have to pay for the fish. The government provided us the fish. Yes, we were slaves. We left that part out. But we got free fish. We didn't have any freedom. We had to work like dogs. But we had free fish. You know, we say work like dogs. But if you actually go to my house and look at my dogs, that's not a good example. Uh, (laughs) Because all my dogs do is sit around all day and eat and sleep and uh, enjoy soft pillows. So I'm not really sure where we got the work like dogs thing, but I digress. Um, but anyway, we, we leave, leave out the part that we are slaves, but hey, we got free fish. It's like people say about the communist uh, government of Cuba. Uh, yeah, you you, you, you you It's there's absolutely no freedom there, there's no prosperity there, there's nothing good there at all, but hey, they got free education. Yeah, it's called education camps. It's free because you go there to get indoctrinated. But I digress. It says, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt, much like our college campuses. We, re- we re- remember the fish that we ate in Egypt free of charge. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. No- oh, by the way, not only was it free, but it was wholesome. It was organic. Certified organic. Cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic. But now our life is parched. Why? Because we actually have to have personal responsibility. There is nothing, we have nothing to anticipate but the manna. We have nothing to anticipate. I want you to think about the insanity of that statement. We have nothing to anticipate... But this miraculous substance that appears from Shemayim every single morning and will taste like anything we want it to taste like—that's all we get. That's all we're looking forward to. But we don't have any cucumbers, we don't have any melons, we don't have any onions, no garlic. Yes, I know if I want the manna to taste like onions and garlic and cucumbers and melon, it will. But I would much rather. Um, here's the deal: I would much rather have no personal responsibility. I would much rather take no effort and uh just receive whatever I want. All right. I, I debated with myself whether or not I was going to do this. And uh I I wasn't going to until I until I was, but here I'm going to use <laughs> I talk a lot on this program about the importance of of uh um, logic, logical thinking, and so and we see the absence of logic and common sense in our present day world um, th- crazy things that are going on around the world in our country and a lot of times they can be if we if we look at them properly they can be illust- life illustrations for us um, I'm a conservative. Politically, I'm conservative. why am I, why am I why am I conservative? Because I have conservative ideologies? Well, yeah, but the main thing is is that I don't think about things in life with emotion. I rely upon logic, historical facts, statistical fact, and common sense. And so um, when I look around what's going on in the world, i I think about our theological point of views as, as I talked about yesterday. So as many of you might know, there's a group of anarchists who have taken over six blocks of downtown Seattle. Now these people are people that say they don't they they want to get rid of police. They they want to demilitarize police. There are people that do not believe in um putting up the wall along the southern border. They don't believe that we should be uh that we should have immigration checkpoints where they they believe we should have open borders. Anybody can come. Anybody can go. Um, They tore down statues of Columbus because they say that Columbus was a murderer and that he stole land that did not belong to him. Um, And so they took over six city blocks of downtown um, Seattle. And what's the first thing they did? First thing they did is they built a wall. They built a barricade. The second thing they did is they put armed guards with AR-15s at checkpoints to keep people from going or leaving. Thirdly, they were checking IDs to make sure that you belong there. And fourthly, they took land that didn't belong to them. So it says, now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color was like the color of bedelach. The people would stroll and gather it and grind it in a mill or pound it into a mortar and cook it in a pot or make it into cakes. And its taste was like the taste of dough kneaded with oil. When the dew descended upon the camp at night, the manna would descend upon it. Moshe heard the people weeping in their family groups, each one at the entrance of his tent. And, and the wrath of Adonai flared greatly, and in the eyes of Moshe, Moshe was bad. So they were weeping because, um, because they didn't have the free fish and the free melons. What what really we talked about this earlier? What was it really that was the problem? I mean, what's what's at the root the root cause? Is it really that they 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 missed the free fish? Is it really that they missed the organic certified um, cucumbers, melons, and leeks and onions and garlic they got for free? Uh, is it that really that they want meat? No. The issue is that they want to be free from God's law. Just like when people say, well, I don't believe in the law of Moses because I believe in God's precious grace. That's not really the real reason. The real reason is they don't want to be subject- subjugated to anybody's rules, even if it's God's rules. If you look at people in the in that world and they're they're no different than anybody else, we all want to make up our own rules for ourselves. It's a human nature, it's something that we all have to war against that somebody else's rule is doesn't necessarily apply to me so it says um." Uh, Moshe said to I, Why have you done evil to your servant? Why have I not found faith in your eyes that you place the burden of this entire people upon me? Did I conceive this entire people, or did I give birth to it that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a suckling to the land that you swore to our forefathers? Where shall I get meat to give this entire people when they weep to me, saying, Give us meat that we we may eat? I cannot, uh, uh, I cannot carry this entire nation. For it's too heavy for me. By the way, the, the word meat is used here four different times. Pardon me. And each and every time the word basar is used for like red meat. So Hashem said to Moshe, Gather to me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and its officers. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. And I will descend and speak to them there. And I will increase some of the spirit that is upon you and place it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you. And you shall not bear them alone. To the people you shall say, Prepare yourself for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. Again, now God is saying, I'm going to give you some meat. For you have wept in the ears of Adonai, saying, Who will feed us meat? For it was better for us in Egypt... So Adonai will give you meat, and you will eat. Not one of, not one, not for one day shall you eat, but for two, or for, nor for five, nor for ten, nor twenty days, until all the entire month of days, until it comes out of your nose and becomes nauseating to you, because you have rejected Adonai who is in your midst, and you have wept before him, saying, "Why did we leave Egypt?" Now again, Hashem is identifying the root cause. It's not that you want meat. If they had just said to Hashem. Hey, the manna is wonderful. We really, really, really love it. And we're so happy to be here and your Torah is awesome. We were wondering, would it be okay if we had like some meat? He probably would have just given some meat. But that's not what their complaint was. Their complaint was that they don't want God's law in their life. And isn't that really what people... What it really boils down to: people do not want the law of God in their life. Now, as I was saying yesterday, as so go as as goes the pulp pulpit, so goes the nation. If we are teaching people that the heart of God was to abrogate law, to remove the rule of law from His universe. And replace it with some type of nebulous grace. if As if the, as if those two things are, in, are incompatible. Um, as if you can't have grace and law working together. But that's a whole other topic. Um, but if that's what we teach people. And then politically we turn around and we say, well how come we have a lawless society? Why do we see all of this lawlessness out there? How come there are anarchists? Who have taken over six city blocks of a major U.S. city, and nobody's doing anything about it—not yet, anyway. Why is there so much lawlessness in the world, and and we are just beside ourselves, not understanding where all this lawlessness is coming from? And yet the Bible says that sin is lawlessness, and lawlessness d- discussed there is literally Torahlessness. So we're actually teaching. Uh, theologically, we're teaching a, 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 a spirit of lawlessness, and then we're wondering why it's taking effect in the hearts of people. But see, we think it's because we just want meat. We don't realize that it's because we want to reject God. See, what God was saying was, because you want to go back to Egypt, which is you want to reject my Torah, you don't understand that rejecting my Torah is... Tantamount to rejecting me because we're one and the same. People say, Well, I believe in, in JC, but I just don't believe in the law of Moses. You, you've just rejected God. The Christian person might say, Of the Jewish person, boy, they need, or the Messianic person, which is just a Christian by another name might say, well, the the Jewish, we need to do it. We We need to do missions to Israel and we need to get them Jews saved. You know what? You need to get saved. You need to get born again. What are you talking about? You've rejected God. You say, well, the Jewish person has rejected Jesus. Well, frankly, good. Good. They should. Because that Jesus comes from Rome and that's that's uh they need to reject that one it's going to catch a lot of people by surprise some of the new people out there that message absolutely needs to be rejected the the, the message of the the Christian gospel message that j c came to abolish the Torah and made all foods clean and go get your chocolate bunny and dip it in peanut butter and dance around the tree and Xmas Day and all. Yeah, that message, absolutely reject it, take it, burn it. The person who's teaching it needs to get born again. Well, isn't that special? Moshe said, 600,000 foot soldiers are the people in whose midst I am, yet you say I shall give them meat. And they shall eat meat for a month of days. Can sheep and cattle be slaughtered for them and suffice for them? Or if all the fish of the sea shall be gathered for them, would it suffice for them? And Hashem said to Moses, Is the hand of Adonai limited? Now you will see whether my word comes to pass or not. Moshe left, and he spoke the words of Adonai to the people, and he gathered seventy men from among the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. By the way, inevitably, somebody is going to send me a message or ask me, "What, what Rabbi, are you saying that Cousin Billy, who's been a Baptist for 20,000 years, are you saying he's going to hell when he dies? My answer to that is that is not my place to judge. I don't ever, ever, ever make a declaration on who or who, who is or who doesn't or whatever makes it. Why? Because that's not up to me. You say, well Isn't it obvious though? I mean, if you saw Henry over there and he's a total uh heathen, don't isn't it obvious he's going to go to hit hen- him? Well, maybe. But again, you know we have this rule. And it's been forgotten. And that is that a person is presumed innocent until proven until say say it with me. Proven, say proven. Proven guilty. Where? On CNN? Fox News? Your living room? The kitchen table? No! Proven guilty where? I forget, what was the name? What's the word? There's a phrase. Oh, a court of law. A Court of law. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, if you have the person on tape. Well, digital. They don't use tape anymore. But if you have the person on video. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, if you have ten witnesses that saw them do it. The person is presumed innocent, no matter what, until proven guilty. Where? In a court of law. Where does that idea come from? The answer is Judaism. The answer is Judaism, which means that it comes from heaven. Which means that none of us can judge anybody because they are to be considered innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. Incidentally, I'm not an officer in that court. That's what it means, ladies and gentlemen, to judge favorably. You say, well, I know they're a heathen. Okay. But again, it's a court of law. We presume they're innocent. All I'm telling you is the truth. Now, how it works out for Cousin Billy and Aunt Susie and, and, and Billy Joe, that's up to God. Because who knows what Aunt Susie and Uncle Billy Joe and Cousin Lou knows? Who knows their circumstance? I don't. I don't have that file. Okay, where are we? Verse um, uh, verse 25. Hashem descended in a cloud and spoke to him, and he increased some of the Spirit that was upon him, and gave it to the 70 men, the elders, when the Spirit rested upon them. And they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Two men remained behind in the camp, and the name of one was Eldad, and the name of the second was Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them, and, they, and uh, they had been among the recorded ones, but they had not gone to the tent, and they prophesied in the camp, and the youth, that is Joshua, ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in, uh, in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of Moshe, since as you spoke up and said, My Lord Moses, incarcerate them. Throw them in jail. Throw the book at them. Evidently, uh, Joshua did not believe in uh, soft policing. But I digress. Moshe said to him, Are you being zealous for my sake? What that the entire people of Adonai could be prophets if Adonai would but place his spirit upon them. In other words, Moshe wanted everybody, he wanted everybody, to prophesy. Moshe was brought into the camp, he and the elders of of, uh, Israel. A wind went forth from Adonai and blew quail from the sea and spread them over the camp. So wait a minute, the people asked for meat, and God sends bird. This teaches us that bird, fowl, is considered meat. It says, a day's journey this way and a day's journey that way all around the camp and two cubits above the face of the earth. The people rose up all the day and all the night and all the next day and gathered up the quail. The one with the least gathered in the ten homers and they spread them out all around the camp. They had a quail of a time. The meat was still between their teeth and not yet chewed when the wrath of Adonai flared against the people and and Hashem struck a very mighty blow against the people. He named that place Kirbroth. Hatava, because there they had buried the people and had been craving. From Kirboth Hatava, the people journeyed to Hazaroth, and they remained in Hazaroth. Capiculo 12. Chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moshe regarding the Cushite woman he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Some say that Zipporah, Moshe's wife, was black, or of some type of mixed race, or something like that, and so some, there's some speculation that this might have been a, 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 a point of prejudice, perhaps, uh, possibly, uh, between, uh, of, of Miriam and Aaron uh, against uh, Zipporah, possibly. It says, They said, Was it only to Moshe that Hashem spoke? Did he not speak to us as well? And I heard, Now the man Moshe was exceedingly humble more than any person on the face of the earth. Adonai said suddenly, to Mo- said suddenly to Moses, to Aaron and Miriam, You three go out to the tent of meeting. He's going to take him out to the woodshed. And the three of them went out, and Adonai descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. The two of them went out. He said, Hear now my words, if there shall be prophets among you, and a vision shall I and I make myself known to them, and a dream shall I speak to him. Not-, not so is my servant Moses. In my entire house he's the trusted one mouth to mouth do i speak to him in clear visions and not in riddles the image of aronai does he gaze now it says here this verse 8 is very important it's something that you need to mark in your in your bibles mark in your humashim and you need to remember it pe el pe adaver bo umarei velo hetidot ut mulat ut munat aronai yevit Umaduach lo yireti Ledaver Beavdi Bemoshe. The word that is used here for um uh, for the image is the same word that is used for an idol. Okay. Um Temunat Temuna, temunat, that word is the same word that's used when bespeaking of an idol. So what, Moses, what Hashem is saying here is that I've talked to all these other prophets and what have you um, in dreams and visions, but when it comes to Moses, he sees my image. What does this mean? This is the quintessential place. People say, God doesn't have an image. No, God never said that. God said, don't make an image of me. He never said he doesn't have an image. To the contrary, Hashem said, I do have an image. And in fact, Moses speaks to it when he speaks to me. And this is the verse that proves it. Again, the word for image is the very same word that's used when speaking about an idol. In other words, it is a literal image. So the wrath of Adonai flared against them, and he left, and the cloud had departed from atop the tent, and behold, Miriam was afflicted with Zarat like snow, and Aaron turned to Miriam, and behold, she was afflicted with Zarat. And Aaron said to Moses, I beg you, my Lord, do not cast sin upon us, for we have been foolish, and we have sinned. Let it not be like a corpse, like the one who leaves his mother's womb, with half his flesh having been consumed. Moshe cried out to Adonai, saying, Please, God, heal her now. Moshe said to, excuse me, Hashem said to Moses, Were her father to spit in her face, would she not be humiliated for seven days? Let her be quarantined outside the camp for seven days, and then she may be brought in. So Miriam was quarantined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not journey until Miriam, was brought in. Then the people journeyed from Hasaroth, and they encamped in the wilderness of Paran. End of our Aliyah today. We are out of time, but we are not by any means out of content. There is so much more to share, so many more insights, uh, but unfortunately, we're just out of time. I may share a few things online just because they're so good, but until then, we will uh, see everybody. Again, no Aliyah on the first day of the week. Call 1-800, get some help if you need to uh, be walked off the ledge for that, and uh, otherwise, we'll see everybody on the second day of the week. Shabbat Shalom. Well, we'll see everybody in in service tomorrow, right? See everybody in the service. Hope you enjoy your day. Hope you enjoy your Erev. Shalom Alechem.